Reality is not one part of the strategy, don't. Development, it's all we envelop in telephone, a wealth of intelligence. Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships, basking it in, let's study in the conferences. Pac 12 and big, 12 and the 10, SEC, ACC, win, 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 win. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody to Debbie Owner's Manual. This week we're we're recording episode number nine. I was thinking back. I think we've actually done about 13, but like three or four haven't made it to the air. But anyways, <laughs> this week we're going to recap the BCS title game, and we're also going to do a mock draft, which is kind of a different type of mock draft. Right now you got all these mock drafts about 2019, and we're going to do something a little bit different. Then I also have my our first roster that was submitted by one of our listeners. Real quick, you can find us on Twitter at Debbie Manual, and our email is DebbieOwnersManual at gmail.com. And as always, we'd like to send a very special thank you to Chris Allen and Adam Wildey from the Dynasty Owners Manual for allowing us to be part of their podcast family. And I'd like to say good evening to my co-host. It isn't just me here. Andrew, how are you this evening? I am good. Just enjoying watching the Twitter draft world burn because Kyler Murray decided to throw a Molotov <laughs> into the whole disaster <laughs> yeah we'll we'll delve into that cocktail a little bit later first i want to get to the title game but yeah that definitely has caused quite a Stir between up. him and kingsbury and yeah it's, it's been a fun week so we're gonna go real quick over the title game though i mean i'm sure by this point everybody's pretty much heard a lot about it and if you haven't seen it you need to go out and watch it um, it's definitely a game where a lot of players came through question andrew like what but really caught your attention in the game. I think what caught my attention was I, I told my wife, I said, Clemson's beating Alabama. And she's like, oh, really? I said, yeah. She's like, what's the score? And then I told her, she's like, oh, my gosh. So, I mean, my wife hates football. Doesn't pay attention to anything football. But when I told her the score, she even realized, hey, something's going on here. No, I just don't think anyone expected a guy that went to prom 10 months ago to carve up the, up to that point, greatest football team potentially anybody has seen in college football. I mean, they were beating people by an average of 30-plus points, and it wasn't even close. And that's my favorite fact with Trevor Lawrence. Ten months ago, he was at the prom. (laughs) It's just amazing. And I think it speaks more to Dabo Sweeney, too, at this point. Yeah, Lawrence is a great talent, but good Lord. I can't remember who it was on ESPN. Somebody shared it. They said it was an article. Funny how things change. They graded when Dabo Sweeney was hired at Clemson. They gave it a D minus, and he'd be fired in two years. But you never know. With coaching hires, but like I said, we'll get the coaching hires later too. So, <laughs> right. But no, it was just I. I think the beatdown was the crazy part, and it wasn't not entertaining either. Like it was right. weird. I enjoyed it. It was kind of like in Christmas Story when he beats up on the bully. You're like, oh, hey, that's different. Right. Everybody's talked about the vaunted Alabama team, you know, and, and it doesn't. It gets unnoticed that Clemson has been beating opponents just as badly, but because it's not in the SEC. You know, people don't notice as well. You, know, I mean, you could argue that Clemson doesn't face the level of competition on a regular basis that Alabama does, but they're the way they're loaded and how deep they are, it rivals Alabama, absolutely. And we're going to see these two teams in the BCS every year for a long time. It's not going to change. I, I, did, I found myself the entire game. I mean, guys that we've talked about a lot, you know, Quentin Williams and Cleland Farrell, I, I watched them. Like, I, I just... Their stats didn't show out in the game. I don't think either of them had a sack. Each of them each had, I think, three or four tackles apiece. But, boy, it seemed like each of them were in the backfield constantly. And there was one play where Farrell, where Cleveland Farrell just absolutely bulldozed Jonah Williams, yeah, who's going yes. to be probably the first lineman pick. And Farrell just 
put him on his ass, just destroyed him. You see yeah. how strong Quinnen and Farrell both are? Holy crap. Yeah, Mello tweeted out the clip. I watched Jeez. it. Mello put out Man. the clip from Stick to Football, and everyone kind of jumped on him. They're like, oh, it's one rep, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yeah, Jonah was doing this technique, and you should have been doing the other. That's not the point. It's still the number one matter, yeah. tackle prospect going yeah, over. Getting blown up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was – it was awesome, man. And just I, I kept watching those guys on the line. Just each of them were in the backfield, just consistent basis and very disruptive. I don't know why Alabama didn't didn't run Josh Jacobs more. He definitely appears to be the most talented one in that backfield. Jerry Judy and we were talking about it last week on our Would You Rather. There you go. Yeah, we were talking so- about it last week on the Would You Rather about Jerry Judy and. T. Higgins, and we should have been saying Jerry Judner, Justy Ross, Justin Ross. Good Lord. Justin Ross looks like a grown-ass man. Like, he just made catches. Like Lawrence just threw it as general area code, and the Ross one, just has – Yeah, He was completely past the ball going out of bounds. Oh, that was more impressive than anything Odell's done lately. So, no, Ross is a freak. And they were saying on the telecast, too, I don't know if you heard that Ross had to be talked in into playing football in high school he didn't want to play it anymore because he wasn't having fun because he was a freshman on the varsity team and the coach is like you're going to be something special he's like you got to stick with it and the coach and his mom just sat him down and were like you're going to play because it's going to pay off in the end it's just crazy because i'm sure that happens all the time in the opposite direction so nice to hear when it pay on, or pays off not yet, but three years it will. <laughs> Everybody's talking about how bad of a blowout it was, and it was entertaining because there were several times where Alabama got down inside, you know, just inside the five and couldn't capitalize. So it it stayed. I felt I felt like it felt closer than it was for quite a while, even though it was pretty out of hand starting in the third quarter. But it was nice. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence's just his composure is is ridiculous. It was insane. I mean, Alabama was scoreless the whole second half, but no, Lawrence, he'd be the number one pick in the draft this year. I mean, it's already been said by a couple people, but it's insane. If there's one player to make that exception for the rule for, I think it could be made for Trevor Lawrence. Right, and we had mentioned before that, you know, we both agreed that the Heisman should be voted for after the title game, and I think Tua would have probably lost it. I know I hate saying that because he didn't play bad. but No, he didn't didn't play play great. You know, he threw the couple interceptions, and he looked flustered and missed throws, and I mean, he yeah, still threw for it, almost 300 yards. So. Yeah, the two or the early picks was really kind of, and he's after the pick six to beginning, he said that was my bad, and that was just a bad read by him. He shouldn't have thrown that. It was something like you doing bad, and you're like, oh crap. He didn't have a bad game, and everyone's talking about all oh, two is going to be down next year, and everyone's already trying to like kick him while he's down. And, Whatever, no, two yeah. is going to be fine. Yeah, if that's his bad game, I'll, I think anybody would take that bad game. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't. I mean, he missed like ten passes, still threw for three hundred yards, almost. I think two ninety five. Yeah, he was fine. Um, just you know, got overmatched early and couldn't catch up. So uh, other than that, I thought um, Isaiah Simmons, Clemson, was the strongest defensive player. It felt like other than Trayvon Mullen. Uh, I heard Matt Miller on the. Uh, He's been his guy. Oh. Absolutely gloating about Mullen. I think it was this morning's podcast or yep. yeah, yesterday's, whichever one. Trayvon Mullen was all over the place. And he he has been as I've been listening to that show from the beginning, and he's been on the Trayvon Mullen train for a while. So I'll give him props on that. 
So just real quick, what was your love and your hate of the game? What was your big love and what was your big hate for that game? My big love obviously has to go to Trevor Lawrence. I think it's I love him so much just because it was nice to watch QB one quarterback play for the first time all year. And it's from a true freshman, which is still just mind boggling to me. Somebody was talking, I put on Twitter, I said, Do you remember I don't remember a true freshman doing something like this? And a couple of people said, Well, Tua last year, Tua did it for half. Mm-hmm. And he brought the team back and everything else. And that team was loaded. Lawrence has been doing this since I think it was week four or five or six. It was early on in the season. And I mean, he made a quarterback that went to two national champion or well, played in one national championship transfer. I mean, so he obviously is that good. So no, Lawrence to me is, and they were throwing out the comps and the Andrew Luck stuff and the John Elway and generational talent. And I'm really excited to watch him in 2021, him and Justin Ross. And then my hate for the game, towards the end, I know you're down, but you were down last year in the national championship. Just the effort by Alabama towards the end. Isaiah Bugs, one of their defensive linemen, he was on the edge and ETN was breaking off a run. And Bugs, if he probably played with some effort, probably could have stopped it. But ETN ran it for 30 yards, and it was like the last drive or so. You still got to play. And Bugs isn't going to be out this year. So Bugs is playing for next year still, too. I mean, you got to set an example. Because, I mean, when you go and watch film in the offseason, you're going to see that. You're going to be embarrassed in front of all your teammates. That's why I just think you got to keep playing with effort. I understand you're down and you're not going to win, but you still got to play. In the previous part there, I didn't even mention ETN's effort. He had a, It was good to see him do that against such a great defense as well. Um, I still have absolutely no reservations with him being one of the top backs next year. Um, so it was fun to watch him play. My my hate actually ties in with yours, but it was more just of how exposed the defense looked, including Deontay Thompson, who's one of the who's probably the top safety prospect, looked absolutely embarrassed repeatedly in that game. Repeatedly out of position, repeatedly blown by in coverage. I mean, other than Quinn and Williams, I didn't see much else there. Um the linebackers looked okay. I mean, Mac Wilson was all right. Um Anthony Jennings. That's the other guy. I like I like him quite a bit, but he didn't seem like he was in the right spot a lot. They just they just looked entirely overmatched. They looked like a lot of Alabama's opponents often do. And my love of the game was Justin Ross. He's a guy who you talk about somebody coming onto a national scene. He didn't do much hardly all year. And then this playoffs here, he is just absolutely people are talking about him being the number one wide receiver when he comes out in twenty twenty one already. And he has pretty much just exploded onto the scene. So that's my love of the game. It was fun to watch him play. And just two freshmen just playing pitch and catch out there against the best defense in college football. All right, now on the news and notes, we got quite a bit of news this week. We had a lot of declarations this week, obviously the big one being Kyler Murray. Um, And he hasn't even officially declared, although his (laughs) – what we're hearing. I know. uh, Twitter's exploding. The whole world's exploding. And ESPN, Bleach Report, all that is just absolutely blowing up. And he hasn't even officially declared, but it looks like it's pretty – Safe to say he is. What's your first impression there, Andrew? My first impression is I, I tweeted it out as an A's fan. I wish he'd stick with baseball. As a football fan, I'm excited. But as a – and I use the term loosely because I have not earned any credibility yet with anybody. Draft analyst, I, I question it a little bit just because I think he's a better baseball prospect than a football prospect. Good Lord, Sarah. The hell was that? 
I think he's a better football or baseball prospect than he is a football prospect. I haven't, I, I'll be honest, I have not gotten to, I have not watched anything Kyler Murray back from what I've watched during the season, just if they were on TV. But just my biggest concern is he's listed at 5'11", 190. There's no way he's 5'11", at 190. If you watch the Heisman Trophy presentation, he looks like an elementary school kid that got to go up to accept an effort award with a bunch of pro football players. Everything I've heard and read from like real things is he's like 170, 175, and like 5'9". So that's my biggest thing is you get somebody like Roquan Smith running at him full speed, he's going to get snapped in half. And I don't want that. I'm not like that horrific reporter from the Bay Area that went off about him saying she wished he'd get hurt because he's not going to the A's. But I just don't know if he'll be able to have a long career in football just with his body and frame type. Everyone keeps – the easiest thing to do is make the Lamar connections from last year, but Lamar's over 200 pounds and six foot three. All right, yeah, my my initial impression of it, I, I was I couldn't understand it. I definitely think, you know, one would say that baseball is the safer path. I think it's a harder path though to get into Major League Baseball to go through all the minor league levels and everything like that. So maybe he thinks the NFL is a safer way for him to succeed or a quicker way. Maybe I noticed today that Trevor Sikama, or he actually did it, yeah, today. Yeah. On the Draft Network, did a really detailed comparison of Haskins versus Kyler Murray, and in every single category, Murray was was better than Haskins. Like you know, down to the the release, timing, footwork, you know, velocity of the passes, everything. The bottom line is he's a small guy, but he's got a great arm talent, and you got to love the mobility and the way he plays on the run and things like that. So I think he's got a steep learning curve and. All this crap about him, you know, going number one to Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> and trading Rose into the Giants, I think is the silliest thing in the world. But I still, I still got that as my pin tweet. I know, <laughs> I, I, and that would be one of the goofiest things I've ever heard if it happened. But yeah, no, and <sighs> I don't think he should do that. I think Rosen's the better passer and the better prospect still, even with the horrific year that Rosen had. I just think Arizona in general had right. a bad year. And I think part of that was the play calling and the coaching staff. And I think with Kingsbury, it's just going to be wide open with everybody. Right. But no, I like I said, I put that on there as a pin tweet. Do I think it happens? Absolutely. Everybody will weigh in on this. And the bottom line is, you know, whatever he decides to do, it's, I think it's kind of, I think an NFL team's got to have it in the back of her mind, their mind that it is a little risky that he could just, you know, take a couple hits and, you know, do something in training camp and then all of a sudden say, you know, baseball's easier. So that's got to be in the back of their mind a little bit. Um, but I don't think it'll stop anybody from taking him high because he's, you know, it's a shallow, shallow quarterback class. Other declarations, we had two more quarterbacks declare this week as Dwayne Haskins, which didn't come as a total surprise with all the news of Justin Fields transferring there. And then Tate Martell transferring out of Ohio State. Kind of a surprise, Tyree Jackson from Buffalo declared. I noticed you had a tweet about that as well. Jackson is one of those prospects. Like Matt Miller has him on at number 10 out of the quarterback prospects, which if you're number 10 in this class, that's Jackson will get picked probably very, very late in day three just for somebody to take a flyer on him. He has a big arm, his top wide receiver, Anthony Johnson, who I actually like a lot. He was able to connect with him a lot, and I think Johnson kind of made Jackson a little bit better than he probably is, kind of like a Mike Evans to Johnny Manziel type of thing. With Tyree Jackson, the biggest thing is his throwing technique. It's pretty ugly. 
it's the combination of Blake Bortles and Tim Tebow's. So it makes so. Tebow's look good. So right. <laughs> hey, I, I, I don't. I have nothing to argue with that. But it, the biggest thing is throwing motion, and I think obviously he played in the MAC, and nothing against the MAC. There's some great defenders there. NFL right. talent, arms, and windows are a lot tighter to get fit in there, and I think Jackson will have a problem with that. Right. Pretty much, the I think the consensus number one running back at this point, David Montgomery declared from Iowa State. I don't think that was a big surprise. I think he's tired of getting pummeled behind that poor offensive line that they had, and hopefully an NFL team with a decent offensive line can grab him because he's an electric talent. RB1 unless Jacobs declares. That's all I can say about him. A tight end that's kind of forgotten. We have a really strong tight end class this year, but Georgia had the top overall tight end recruit when he came out and. Isaac Nada, I guess, has how you say his last name. He was a. a I haven't five, heard anyone say it before. <laughs> right, and he's a five-star recruit. Just never really got a chance to sign it. Really, really got a chance to shine at Georgia. They never featured him, but he's got some an amazing skill set. That if a team was willing to give him some time to develop, I think he could be a top tight end in the NFL within a couple of years. A couple defensive guys: Dexter Lawrence, not really a surprise. Trey Lamar, Trayvon Mullen, all from Clemson, declared this week as well as Byron Murphy from Washington. Anything on those guys? I really like Murphy. I think Mullen has the potential to be the first corner picked if he tests well. I think Greeny kind of got stagnant with people. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Greeny's probably the better prospect. But who knows? Mullen was able to make the last impression, so to speak. Kind of right. like what Kyler did with Heisman voters. So, who knows? All right, speaking of declarations, beep, 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 breaking news from New York City. I like that. We got just got this in right off of saw the Twitter declarations there. First one kind of caught me off guard. Josh Jacobs declared for the NFL draft. It vaults him right into the RB1 conversation, I think. What do you think, Andrew? Everyone keeps comparing him to Alvin Kamara 2.0. I like the size of him, 5'10", 216. I'm pretty sure he might weigh a little bit more than that just in his arms alone. This past year, 120 rushing attempts, 640 yards, 11 touchdowns. In his career, he has 48 career receptions, which is my favorite part about him. He's easily, I think, the best and most reliable pass catching back in college football, which in today's NFL and PPR with fantasy, that's what you want. So I will give credit to uh, Adam Wilson when we did the Top Dog Dynasty uh, Devi breakdown. And future rookie breakdown. He was the one that I before I heard anybody else. He was pounding the table with Josh Jacobs. So Adam Wilson gets all the credit in the world for me, at least. If he's going to be my RB one, that's going to be with Adam's name attached for the whole draft process. Right. I like the you know the lack of wear and tear on him, and we've seen enough of him against enough of elite competition. Where like these last two games, I mean, he is just he looks so much stronger than any other back in the backfield, and that says a lot for Alabama because they've got a ton of talent in their backfield, and he hasn't he he looks to me like the Alvin Kamara is an okay comp, but I think he's a tougher inside runner than that than Alvin, but he definitely has the the speed when he gets to the outside that. Definitely makes that makes you think about Alvin Kamara. So, and wow. if you want to talk about wear and tear, um, I just pulled up David Montgomery, who before Jacobs declared was going to be the RB one. He has six hundred and I guess if you look at his receiving and rushing, he has right around seven hundred touches for his career. Right. Uh, Josh Jacobs only has three hundred, so right. there's a lot more tread left on that tire. 
right? And Montgomery got hit behind the line on probably a hundred of those carries this year. It seemed like, uh, so yeah, it's it definitely vaults him into the conversation, and I, I would not fault anybody that put him number one after what I've seen the last couple games. And then the other other um, declaration that we had just just in the last couple minutes was Cleveland Farrell. It is not really much of a surprise. Um, I definitely I didn't see any way he wasn't coming out, but it's good to hear it officially. Yeah, a top ten pick, and I think in this upcoming draft, he solidified that with the BCS title game, and yeah, just a just a great defensive lineman. So I, I love it, Farrell for sure. I mean, we talked about it with what he did to Jonah Williams, um, got everyone's attention. I mean, if you look at his career and his college career as a redshirt uh, junior. 15 and a half career tackles for a loss, 27 sacks. So he definitely is going to be a disruptor. Right. Yeah. And then I wanted to bring it up. As most of you know, Cliff Kingsbury was hired as the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, which is kind of a surprise being he was fired, you know, what, seven months ago from Texas Tech and then got an offensive coordinator job at USC and then all of a sudden is a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, no, he uh, – he got hired or fired yeah. at the end of the year from Texas Tech, and then right. I put out a poll too. I said if Cliff Kingsbury didn't, if hadn't coached Pat Mahomes, and if Pat Mahomes hadn't had the year he just had, would Cliff Kingsbury be, have an NFL job? And I think the final numbers on that were like sixty-four percent said no, and it had like five hundred some votes. It actually went over pretty well. I kind of agree with that. I, I think people are just kind of fascinated. And I think it's the Sean McVay effect, which we're seeing all over with Zach Taylor being a favorite for the Bengals job and LaFleur getting the Packers job. And I think everyone's just kind of looking for that next young offensive mind to just take their team to the next level. I mean, with Kirk and Rosen and David Johnson, if Kingsbury, I can't remember who it was, said they'll probably be a bad football team, but offensively, It'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll a lot will depend him on his support staff. You know, if he can bring a, a really good, solid NFL offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and under his staff to kind of help him with the transition to the NFL game, I think he has a chance to be successful. I mean, everybody has a chance. Uh, it was just a very puzzling hire. I think a lot of people are pretty down on it, and I've heard some people in the Arizona area, Arizona fans, just. Yeah, burning jerseys and stuff. They <laughs> don't understand it. Andy Holloway was all for it. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a, a, not, a very odd hire. Definitely caught me off guard. I got Freddie Kitchen, so I'm all good. <laughs> Get in the kitchen. That brings us to our next segment. This was actually Andrew's idea, and I like it. It's uh, like, like I said, this is mock draft season. If you pay any attention to Twitter and all the, the sites right now, there's a mock draft every 3.7 minutes. So um, if you have a if you want a mock draft coming up for the 2019 NFL draft, you can easily find one. I, mean, I just had get... one come out today. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. Uh, <laughs> I see them all, man. And I don't know. For the most part, they all seem pretty well in line. You know, I was keeping track of them for a while there, and it seemed like they didn't vary a whole lot from one to another. That won't be the case when it actually comes time. They'll always be like a Sony Michelle or a... So anyways, we thought we'd do a mock draft that just had mainly freshmen and sophomores, uh, names that are not eligible this year and possibly not next year as well. So we're going to draft two rounds of 10 with just basically freshmen and sophomore. Andrew had suggested 
suggested maybe some high school players, but I haven't delved very much into the high school. I haven't either. So I was, I'm glad the incoming did. guys that are coming in. I, I I know some names, but I haven't really delved into you know where they're gonna fall in the hierarchy of their teams and everything like that. So and I'll be mainly sure, focus. And I'll be sure I'm recording our teams down, so we'll each have a ten person team, and then I'll throw up a poll just so everyone can. Hit on us. So we're just going to draft two rounds of ten. Um, just a freshman, sophomore. Andrew has Andrew's wife actually told me I had the first pick. I'm not sure why, but she um, hates me that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to take this with a great. If you have a super flex league, Trevor Lawrence is the 101. I'm I no thought process involved. Like there, he is the number 101. But I'm just going to assume this league is not a super flex. Not super okay? flex. I guess I should have <laughs> given right. that disclaimer. Not tight end right. premium, not super flex. This is just your standard league. I've went back and forth on this. <laughs> I can't. I can't not pick my boy. I've got to take Travis DTN from Clemson at number 101. I, I didn't even write him down on yeah. my board. It was between him and one other guy, and I, I got to stick with ETN. I know most people don't understand it. It's just something I see something in him that. Especially, he doesn't catch a lot of passes, but he has hot passes, and I think he will in the NFL. Um, I just love his skill set. He, his contact balance, his power, his vision, just everything. I can't. I, I, I love him. I maybe I've seen more of him than I think any of the other guys on my list, but I, I think I've got to take Etn at one hundred and one. I didn't even put him down because I was expecting that to happen. If you hadn't, I was kind of thinking maybe you'd throw in. Trevor Lawrence, just for the heck of it, but you stuck to your guns, which I appreciate. I'm going to go with my pick, someone who in two years has ran for over 4,100 yards and 29 touchdowns. He only had 16 catches, but so did one of the running backs before him at the same school, Melvin Gordon. I'm going to take running back Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. I think he's going to be fantastic to watch. I think if he can get the fumbles – taken care of, I think he'll easily be or potentially be RB1 next year. There's going to be a bunch of guys fighting for it. Like I said to you before we started recording, I was making this big, during this draft board, and I was like, oh my gosh, next year's going to be so refreshing. (laughs) Puts me at 103 with the guy I was considering at 101, and that's DeAndre Swift from Georgia. He was the other guy I was considering at 101. Another guy who will get the chance next year to carry the load there at Georgia fully by himself. They might bring in a talented uh, sophomore that was injured this year to maybe split some of the carries, but I'm going to think DeAndre Swift will get it next year, and I think he's going to be a, a possible Heisman candidate. I uh, just love the way he runs. He's got – he has caught passes. He's got ama- amazing balance, and he's so unbelievably fast. So I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift at 103 here. Okay, 104, I'm going to take someone who – I tried to get in a dispersal draft I have going on right now, but I just missed out on him by a pick. I'm going to go with the Buckeye, J.K. Dobbins. I think if Justin Fields can get eligible this coming year, I think Dobbins and Fields in an RPO type of situation are going to make each other look fantastic. I think Ryan Day is going to run the whole offense through him, especially with Fields having his first year in that offense, potentially. So I really like J.K. Dobbins. Me at 105, and I'm going to take the first wide receiver. Jerry Judy, for me, is the number one wide receiver out of his class and possibly out of the class coming in behind him. Um, he showed the other day in the championship game, he's just he's, he's tough. He catches. He's got 
great what he's very polished his route running ability to cut you know how it breaks it's just he's he looks like an nfl receiver already and i don't think he's going to take a lot of a lot of teaching to transition he'll be able to play you know the x the y and they can put him anywhere all over the field he's going to be that type of wide receiver that the nfl seems to be going more toward these days so i definitely will take jerry judy at 105 so at 106 I'm going to go – it might be a little bit high for him, but I'm going to kind of ride the hype on him and hope the, the other guy I want to take will fall back around to me. I'm going to take the outstanding freshman from Purdue, Rondale Moore. I really, <laughs> I really like what he did this year. I know a couple people that I've talked to about him are concerned about his size, but – He's 18, 19 years old. He's still got a lot of growing up to do. 114 catches his freshman year, 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. So I'm very, very, very impressed with Rondell Moore, and I can't wait to see what he develops into. I'm at 107, and I will actually go. All right, I'm going to go with LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. Oh, it's who I almost took too, darn it. He's another guy that is definitely flying under. He has flown under the radar. Um, He missed part of this year. He only played in nine games, and he had 86 catches and over a thousand yards, and a total of 11 touchdowns. <laughs> right, he's just he's put up amazing numbers: six foot two, 220 pounds, got great size. He's if you don't if you haven't watched him, he's a guy you got to get out there and watch. So much fun to watch. Um, he's if you don't know his name now, you will by the end of the year, and he will he will push for one of the top to the top wide receiver spot, I believe, especially if he can stay healthy and get on the field for the whole year. So. Yeah, he's a guy I honestly have only seen a few times. Um, caught, caught highlight reels. The highlight reels are amazing. Um, I've only seen a couple games. He appears to be really good at route running. Um, obviously, needs some work there, but he works primarily out of the slot, even though he's six foot two. And yeah, he's just a he's a lot of fun to watch and a guy that I think is just going to develop and get better and better out there in Colorado. So I think I'm going to take touchdown Jesus two point out. I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. I know. Now, this is big on depending on your need for quarterback. If you can get Trevor Lawrence in a Debbie and have him transition to your full-time roster, I mean, you're set at quarterback for a while. And plus two, even if you wanted, you could probably trade him for the farm and the neighbor's farm and the neighbor's farm's farm. <laughs> I mean, right. especially at this point right now, I bet his price is through the roof. So, you know, Trevor Lawrence is who I'll take here. Even like I said, even if I don't keep him, this is how I'm looking at it. Um, even if you don't keep him, just for uh, you to potentially profit from him later. So. Right. You won't see too many quarterback processes in a, in a one quarterback or quarterback prospects in a one quarterback league that will go this early. But he's one of them that will, I think. 109. I'm going to take Cam Akers from Florida State, despite the fact that he has not lived up to the amazing hype or all the hype that he had coming into college. He was pretty much Tyler with that pick. Yeah, he's pro- projected to be like the next big thing, um, one of the top prospects to ever come out of high school. And as far as a running back goes, and I don't blame his woes entirely on him. Florida State had an abysmal offense this year, so it'd be, I'm really hopeful that this year they can start to turn it around some, at least be somewhat respectable. And Cam Akers, he still possesses an, like that tool set. You know, that can catch, can run, powerful, fast, you know, breaks tackles, vision, everything. He fits all those. He checks all those boxes. And this year is a critical year. I think if he stumbles like he did last year, he may still fall 
All right, Montana, Andrew. I'm going to go with T. Higgins, uh, Trevor Lawrence's teammate at Clemson. T. Higgins, we did in our would you rather. It was him or Jerry Judy. Uh, we we said we should have had Justin Ross in there. Higgins still had a fantastic year, and I think he's really going to develop into a fantastic prospect. We talked about it last week, his size, six foot four. I really like a lot for his range. So I think Higgins, especially next year, will be the cream of the crop as far as that this wide receiver class coming out. Right, and at 201, I'm actually going to take his teammate Justin Ross. Can't not put into what he did this these last couple weeks. It's amazing how how sharp he looks and how quick he is, and his hands are just unreal. Uh, he made several catches in these last couple weeks that put him on the map, and to think that he's going to be have two years with Trevor Lawrence is I, I can't imagine this kid's stock growing any higher, but it's going to. And I'll take Justin Ross at 201. 202, I'm going to go with someone I'm kind of surprised is still here, to be honest. I'm going to go with Najee Harris, running back from Alabama. He's the next cream of the crop as far as – it's such an overused word, but it's really the best way to do it. <laughs> Replacing Damian Harris, Najee Harris is still worth a grab at this point. I'm actually probably going to take him in a draft here in a little bit. So I'm, I fully trust in him. I like his size. I like his running ability. He doesn't get shown a lot just because there are the revolving doors of running backs at Alabama. So Najee Harris is who I'm going with. I'm going to go out a little bit on a limb here, um, a name that we have not spoken of yet. Actually, at 203, I'm going to take Jamar Jefferson from Oregon State. He's a freshman this year at Oregon State. He rushed for 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, also caught 25 passes. He's a very highly ranked prospect coming into college, but he really hasn't garnered much attention. Uh, I think he's got a couple strong years out there at Oregon State. He's got great size, 5'11", 220. Haven't seen a lot of tape on him, but he runs the very little I've seen. He runs like an angry, angry bowling ball that wants to take down every pin on the field. But he's still elusive and shifty enough that he's one of the guys I've got my eyes on going in. Kind of a probably a surprise. There's some more bigger names on the board here, but at 203, I'm going to take Jamar Jefferson from Oregon State. I'm going to take the best wide receiver in Oklahoma this past year. I'm going to go with C.D. Lamb. I really like him a lot more than Marquise Brown personally as a prospect just because of the size, six foot two, 190 pounds. I like big receivers, as we've obviously picked up on at this point, taking T. Higgins. I think C.D. Lamb is going to be a playmaker. I think next year he'll really have a sort of D.D. Westbrook sort of breakout in that Lincoln-Riley offense as long as they can get the good quarterback play out. I think C.D. Lamb, even if they don't, they have a potential incoming true freshman that could be starting in Oklahoma. So C.D. Lamb's going to be really relied on there. So I can't wait to see what he does as far as numbers. I mean, he could even get a Heisman invitation when it's all said and done. Right. At 205, I'm going to go with uh, Tua. I was going to say Tua. I, I, I hate I struggle Tua every time I see it. Yeah, I struggle every time I see his bat, his last name. I can't roll I off can my tongue like that. I, I can spell it, but I can't pronounce it very well still. I'm going to take him at 204. I, I I think you can't teach what he does. And I, I still, his touch, his grasp of the game, he's he's only going to get better, I think, in the next two years. and Or next year, actually. Sorry. The next year, he's only going to get better next year. And he'll be right back up there in the Heisman discussion and i just think he'll, he's an nfl quarterback and 
I will gladly take him at 205. I mean, if you want to look at it too, me taking Lawrence at four and or my fourth pick and or third pick, and you getting him with your seventh pick, I you might be getting for sure the better profit out of it. For my next pick, which Dwight, which pick are we on? Because I'm bad at keeping track. 206, I hope. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to go with a freshman. No, he's not a freshman. He was a sophomore this year who was a Blitnikoff finalist from Oklahoma State. I'm going to take Tylen Wallace. Size is okay. He's six foot, 185 pounds. His freshman year, he only had seven catches for 118 yards. But this past year as a sophomore, like I said, he was a Blitnikoff finalist. 86 catches, 1,400 yards, and 13 touchdowns. So Oklahoma State loves to have produce wide receivers. Justin Blackman, Des Bryant, James Washington in Pittsburgh right now looks like a very good prospect. So I think Tylen Wallace could be the next one to come out of there. At 207, I'm going to take Zamir White, the freshman well, he was a freshman this year at Georgia. He tore his ACL and missed the entire season. But he is one of the he was one of the top recruits. He was, I think, actually the top recruit, at least at running back last year. And as usual, Georgia gets him. He's a he's a stud, man. He's he's gonna be one of those next I think he's gonna be one of the best running backs that we've seen come from Georgia since Todd Gurley. So I think I'm gonna take Todd Zamir White from Georgia. At two oh eight, I am debating between two teammates. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> uh, he's too busy in the kitchen right now, so doctoring up whatever he's going to give Hugh Jackson on whatever sideline he's on. Anyway, I'm going to go with Donovan Peoples-Jones, wide receiver from Michigan. Six foot two, 208 pounds is what he's listed at. 47 catches this past year, 612 yards, eight touchdowns. Receiving stats – Really weren't that good for anybody at Michigan this year, just because they really relied on Karan Higdon a lot more. Um, and Shea Patterson kind of devied up the ball really well between him and Zach Gentry as well. So I think Donovan Peoples-Jones, he was talked about a lot last year as a freshman. I think the hype just will continue to with him, and he's definitely worth a flyer at this point in the draft. All right, I was debating with him, him and this guy I'm going to take. At 209, I'm going to take Amon Ra. St. Brown from USC. Uh, he's a freshman this year. He, he, did, he came in very highly, obviously, with all the St. Browns that have come in the, that are coming in through the ranks now. He actually had a pretty good year this year. He caught 60 balls, 750 yards, three touchdowns for USC. He's going to grow over the next two years with JT Daniels there at USC. And USC is going to be – they're slowly building themselves back up into where a powerhouse, which they were you know, for a long time there. And between him and JT Daniels, and they've got a couple. They had a really, I think, a top ten recruiting class last year, and they're on the way this year. I think they've had a couple pretty high-profile recruits as well. And he's got great size, six-one. I, I really thought, in my heart of hearts, I was going to have him for the last pick. All right, pick ten, I, last pick, baby. Really thought I was going to have him there. Okay, so mystery relevant of our Devi mock draft, a runner from the Northeast, I thought would be the only reason his team could have beat Clemson this year, but it wasn't even close. Shocker. Uh, I'm going to go with A.J. Dillon running back out of Boston College. Uh, six foot, 200 plus pounds, two straight thousand yard rushing years. Uh, as a freshman, he ran for 1,500 yards this past year. He ran for 1,100 yards, 24 career touchdowns. Last this past year, he got involved in the passing game a little bit more. I say a little bit more. He had eight hole catches, but that was an increase from zero his freshman year. 
you can only go up from there. <laughs> but now AJ Dillon's a name I think that mm-hmm. will get talked about a little bit more. Who was at Boston he's College a, a couple of years ago? He's a hoss, man. He's a big boy. No, he is, and he runs angry too. He's mm-hmm. not afraid of contact, which I like a lot. So he could definitely be a between the tackles guy, and then right. if he can develop into his receiving game. He could be a very versatile weapon in the NFL. Yeah, we got Trent Richardson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I would never compare him to them. Hey, so. Hugh Jackson. I'm sorry, AJ. Don't haunt me down and kill me. All right. Is there? I'm going to throw these out here real quick. A couple more that were on my list. Kennedy Brooks, the running back from Oklahoma. Lorenzo Lingard from Miami, uh, running back. Then I had the quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Jake Fromm on there as well. Yep. Uh, J- Justin Shorter from Penn State and Jalen Waddle from Alabama are a couple more I had on my list. Anthony McFarland from Maryland as well. So, yeah, I had a couple other there that I, I don't know. I kind of didn't have as much time to prepare for this as I would have liked, but those are just some names that I really like so far coming out. Was there some that just missed your list there? Quarterbacks, I probably didn't have to take Trevor Lawrence as early as I did because, I mean, we still had, like you said, names like Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. Herbert could technically still be involved in this because he's not in the draft this year, but he will be next year. Uh, Jacob Eason, KJ Costello, uh, quarterback from Stanford. Quarterback class is going to be really refreshing next year compared to what we're dealing with this year. Michael Warren, the second running back out of Cincinnati. You talked about him in one of our bowl previews. Uh, KJ Hill, a versatile receiver from Ohio State coming back that I really like too. So you covered everybody else, but those are just a couple of the guys I have. All right, and real quick, we've been asking for every episode for a team to review or a roster to look over. And my buddy Bob Helfert, who I'm in a couple leagues with, actually sent me his roster. I think he was gloating a little bit. It's a, a pretty good roster overall. But he asked what we would do as far as Debbie on it and stuff. Um, I looked it over. I don't know if you got a chance to look it over much, but uh, just real quick, we're going to glance through this. We're kind of running long on time, but he's got at quarterback. He's got Carson Wentz, Josh Rosen, you know, Blake Bortles. That's all you need. Um, <laughs> running backs. He's got Saquon Barkley, Tevin Coleman, Darius Geis, TJ Yeldon. So it, he's got Saquon and then it drops off a little bit. So he's got a little bit of depth there at, Wide receiver, he's got Jamison Crowder, Matt Collins, Allen Robinson, Juju, Thielen. So he's pretty well off there as well. Tight ends, I thought he needed a little bit. He's got Gronk, but you don't know how far Gronk's going to go. And he's got O.J. Howard, who's primed, I think, to have a good season next year. Uh, There's an IDP league, and IDPs are fairly good. He's got a couple of really good defensive tackles in Fletcher Cox and Snacks Harrison. Uh, Defensive end, he's got Daniil Hunter, Demarcus Lawrence, Tack McKinley, uh, he's pretty set at defensive end. Linebackers, he needs a little bit of help. He's got Quan Alexander, Rokon Smith, Bobby Wagner. I guess that's, that's pretty – Kirsten Kirksey, Miles Jack. Never mind, he's he's pretty well off at linebacker there. And then at safety, he's also pretty set with Jamal Adams, Kevin Bayard, Micah Hyde, John Johnson, who's one of my favorite players. Uh, Justin Reed had a really good year for, for Houston at safety. So he's pretty well off, but then we get down into the Debbie portion, which is what he was asking. And I think I still think he was gloating, but he's got JT yeah. Daniel, JT Daniels, Justin Fields, Cam Akers, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, Samir White, T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, Justin Ross, Noah Fant. And I'm like, what do you need my advice for, Bob? Yeah, anyway. yeah. Bob, here, here's your advice. Take so. all of your picks and trade them. 
for yeah, Trevor Lawrence. It. He does That's have. Do. Yeah, he's he's needs some help at quarterback a little bit because beyond Carson, it, it drops off pretty decent. I don't not a big fan of Justin Josh Rosen. Um, he's picking at seventh. He has the his one, three, four, five, and six round picks. And honestly, Bob, from your standpoint, I would think, you know, trade those like Andrew just said, trade those picks, get yourself some depth. Um, maybe try to trade in one or two of those Debbie picks for like one of the top, top, top ones like Trevor Lawrence or, you know, Tua. Although I think Justin Fields and JT Daniels, you're pretty, you're all right there too. Yeah, the running backs, you could, I would not mind trading one of those for maybe some defensive help. Uh, maybe some, you know, you definitely get rid of all those picks. I would. I don't think there's really much. If it's this Debbie to put it on his team, I imagine what everybody else's team is like. So I don't think those draft picks are worth hardly anything at this point. Well, from what I can tell, Bob, and I haven't seen the whole landscape of the league, but I, w- I would say get rid of those picks and try to get yourself some depth and defense and, you know, maybe some running backs as well. I mean, you've got great running backs there, but they're still a couple years off. So most of those running backs there are not going to help you for two years. So I could package one or two of those guys for, you know, I, I don't know, a name to target there. Well, yeah. I'm going to talk to you directly right now, buddy. We're going to take a walk. <laughs> are you gloating? Are you bit. saying you should be on the show? Are you saying you're more qualified? Which one is it here, Bob? Because <laughs> you have nothing to complain about. You've got my love affair with Noah Fan. You got Ross, DK Metcalf. I mean, honestly, I'm not even trying to be ignorant here. I would just trade the picks for another quarterback, maybe another tight end, maybe package one of them up with Gronk to somebody who still thinks he's going to be playing next year. I mean, you could get somebody back decent. Target somebody like a David Njoku, who I'm really high on with Freddie Kitchens coming in. Receiver, try to take advantage of somebody who freaking out of Antonio Brown because he's gone or somebody like a Le'Veon Bell because he might be I was be just about to, to say that. I would take two of those running backs and those picks and try to get Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I mean, and then I'd take like Sanders and yeah. Mm-hmm. And quarterback, maybe get somebody like Dak Prescott who very quietly had a very good year. Or somebody else to that effect. I mean, good Lord, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Bob's a good guy. He's in, like I said, he's in several of my leagues. and It's an easy he, one to break down for our first one. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but there he's got, with the depth he has, especially with Debbie, he's got some options. And if you want to win now, there's definitely some pieces you can get there. I like the idea of getting Le'Veon or Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown could probably be gotten pretty cheap at this point. And you can set yourself up really well for next year, but still not hurt yourself long run. So it's a good roster. I if that's what you wanted us to tell you, but <laughs> I think that's what he wanted. Yes, that's good, Bob. All right. So that'll conclude this episode this week. We had a, a lot to talk about. Um, we do get a lot more to talk about, obviously, with draft season coming up. Um, next week, we'll probably take a look at the East-West Shrine game. And then the week after the Senior Bowl, we'll probably take a, a quick preview of that as well. So it'll probably be the next couple of weeks. We'll talk about those games, a lot more news and notes, and people declaring. Hopefully, there's still a lot of big names out there that we thought would declare that have not yet. So there should be a lot of news coming out in the next couple of weeks. But real quick, Andrew, tell everybody what where they can find you. They can find me on Twitter at dhh underscore mandrew. Um, I apart from us having breakdowns on here, I will have some. East West Shrine game and NFLPA bowl breakdowns over at the Score Crow. A lot of us are doing stuff over there, and I might have some 
cool to announce with them with a couple different departments in the coming weeks. Just got done talking to Johnny. He runs that site. Yeah, at DHH underscore Mandrew is where you can find me. And you can find me on Twitter at FF People's Champ, uh, writing for DHH mostly right now. And hopefully have some new things on the horizon. I just wrote an article about the free agency. because that's, you know, the route I want to go for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, nobody's we, talking about the free agents. We completely uh, forgot too. You and I are going to be heading up the Debbie rankings for Dynasty right. Happy Hour before uh, Tyler completely, completely shuts us out for not mentioning that. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Those we'll be will be annoying. coming out in February, March. Yeah, we'll be annoying people on a regular basis uh, with our takes and stuff. So hopefully we have a lot of draft breakdown for you guys coming up soon. And you can find the podcast here, wonderful podcast, on Debbie, at Debbie Manual on Twitter. And email us your roster or questions at Debbie Owners, or Debbie Owners Manual at gmail.com. That is all we have for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. If there's more... Don't forget about the Mountain West, the Mac that can flex, Sunbelt is next, Ivy League fresh, literally dope, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. I'm serious, they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet, potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars, like, I don't know, I, it's too much, I'm done. I'm gone this time. Like, don't bring it back in. Enjoy your podcast.